my name, like I said, my name is Pastor Jamie Tyler. I'm from our Eunice campus, and man, it's a joy to be here with you today. I'm just excited. Um, you, you, I told the first service that gets here at eight. Like they're committed. You're like mid-committed. Like the next service is like just lucky, right? So. <laughs> But uh, it's just good to see you. Man, I just, I see so many good looking people. I know it's early and y'all look good anyway on a Sunday. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? Yeah. Well, today I want to jump into a message. I know you've been in a series called Soul Cycles. Is that right? You've been in a series called, how many of you enjoyed that series so far? Good, good. Um, I, I read, I named our series. We're doing the same messages, but the series in, in Eunice was called Three Steps to Victory. So if I accidentally say Three Steps to Victory, that's why. Okay, good. So week one, we talked about how, uh, how it's important to, to be in God's presence, how it's important to overcome and, st- and to stop believing lies was the title of, of week one's message was to stop believing lies. How many of you that helped, that, that helped you to, to recognize the lies maybe you were believing and then to also stop believing those lies? Isn't that good? And then last week was to, the, my, the title of the message I preached was to stay in the word and how important it is to be in God's word, but also to let God's word begin to read you. Uh, it's vital for every one of us. If you ever feel defeated, if you ever feel like you're getting beat back by the enemy or just life itself, the first thing you need to question is how is my Bible reading slash studying going? You don't need to wonder about what the devil's doing. Don't give him too much time. You just need to go, have I been in God's word? Is my spirit man strong right now? Or have I been slacking a little bit? Maybe things have been busy and I just haven't been in his word like I should be. I know that speaks to everybody. I've been at this for a little while. Everybody I know, besides a few rare people, struggle reading their Bibles. How many of you would agree with that? Just shake your head. Okay, thought so. It's the breath of God. It's the breath of life. It give, he gives you everything you need when you read your Bible for the things that you're going to face. So the reason we get in trouble is because we didn't get what we needed from God to go face what we were about to face. Make sense? It's like going to a gunfight with a knife. It ain't going to work unless you're really good with a knife. But it's not, it's not going to work. So today, the title of my message today is to start going to church. And that's a strange title because you're already here. Laugh. That was supposed to be funny. (laughs) Thanks for the courtesy laugh. (laughs) Start going to church. The emphasis isn't on start, but the emphasis is on keep going to church. It's going, keep going, be consistent. How many of you knew this or know this, that the, the statistics show that the average Christian family today goes to church one Sunday a month? Average church attendance for a family today, one Sunday a month. That goes so much against what the Bible says that it's not even funny. One Sunday a month, but yet we, we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why we're giving into temptation. We wonder why we're falling into these different traps and believing these different lies. Could it be because our church attendance is getting worse? I'm going to bring this message to you this morning because I'm not trying to grow church attendance numbers. We're trying to grow people. What's the vision of our Savior's church? Reach people and build lives. Not build buildings, not build bigger churches, not have a bigger attendance, have bigger people. 
Amen? That's our vision for you is to, is to reach you and then to build you so that you can turn around and go back out into the world that you came from and reach them and build them. Yeah, that's good. So this morning, we're going to get into, I'm going to give you three good reasons to go to church. How many of you, how many of you need three good reasons? You just need one? I'm going to give you three anyway, because that's the way the, the sermon was written. How dare you break from the way the sermon's written. Huh. First reason we need to come to church. Consistently. Consistently. Say that with me. Say consistently. My family and I started like a lot of you started here at OSC back when we were in the front building. And I don't know what it is that God put in me. I don't know what it is about church. I don't know what, why. I can't tell you why. I'm not that spiritual. But we, my family and I go to church 52 Sundays out of the year, if not more. And, and, and I just want to say this this morning. It's not a decision we make on Sunday mornings. That decision was made over 20 years ago, and it doesn't have to be ever made again. Our kids don't wonder if we're going to church on Sunday. My wife and I have been so consistent in church attendance that our kids, when we miss now, when we take a vacation and we miss church, they kind of go, man, Dad, it feels weird. Like, yeah, bro, something's missing. We didn't beat them. <laughs> we never had to beat them to go to church. We, we actually had to make them stay home a few times, and and what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that parents, if you'll be consistent, your children will be consistent, and then one day your grandkids will be consistent, and the legacy you leave is a consistent legacy that will happen because of your consistency. Amen? And so we're going to start going to church consistently, and I'm going to give you three good reasons why. The first reason is because God's presence is here. Man, God's presence is here. I don't know if you realize this. The, the Holy Spirit told me a couple weeks ago that, that I needed to start helping people realize when they're in the presence of God. I, I come from an, uh, a Baptist church, <laughs> speaking of church attendance, you was at church on three times on Sunday. That, come on, all my Baptist people. You were there Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night worship. Is there any Baptist people here? Okay, you have all been saved. And, yes. Hey, Scott. But I had to learn, the point I'm trying to make is I had to learn over the years what it's like to be in God's presence. Anybody ever wonder what that's like? Like, how do you know, Pastor? How do you know if you're in God's presence? How do I know if, if like, I'm in my, my prayer room and I'm, and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and all of a sudden I get this tingling feeling? Is that God's presence? So, so I felt like I needed to help people understand you're in God's presence. This morning when I walked in, I was here real early. I was here at 7.30. I think I beat Samuel here. And wherever he's at, I just had to give him a little plug. But I got here, and I was sitting in the front, and the, and the worship team was just practicing through their songs. I'm sitting in there trying to read over my message, and I couldn't because of the presence of God in this place. And nobody was even here but the worship team and the sound team. Mm-hmm. You can be in the middle of God's presence and be unaware that you're there. Why do we come to church? Because God's presence is here. What does that mean? Let me show you God's heart for his people. 
God's presence shows up three ways. I'm going to give you the very, the very uh, generic version of this. I'm not going to use the big Bible terms. It's his outer presence, meaning that God is everywhere. Then he shows up with his inner presence. So when you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. Come on, that's good stuff. Not only did I get saved, I got his Holy Spirit living inside of me now. So that's the inner presence. And then the one I want to focus on today is called the manifest presence or the, the showed up presence. Like God, <laughs> you just showed up and it, like we felt it and people were crying and yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you understand this or not, but God loves to be with his people. Wrap your mind around this. God took you in your mother's womb. The Bible says even before you were in your, you're in, your, in your mother's womb. And he knit you together. He wired you up. He made you who you are. Some of us, he gave us a good-looking scalp so that you could be bald one day. And, and then the rest of you got lumps and humps and dumps, and y'all need to keep your hair. But, but he, he formed you in your mother's womb, and you're very detailed, and you're very, you're very specific, and, you, and there's nobody else like you. If he spent that much effort making you just like you and there's nobody else like you, do you not think he wants to hang out with you? He wants to be with you. Watch this in Exodus chapter 25. God speaking, God says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Have the people build me a sanctuary so that I can live with them. You are them. Look at your neighbor and say, you're them. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're that guy. Have the people build me a sanctuary so that I can be with them. God wants to be with us. Maybe you came in here this morning and you thought God was mad at you. You were believing the lie that the enemy told you that God's mad at you. He don't like you. He's upset with you. And you're hoping that just by coming to church, he'll change his mind. God's not mad at you. God loves you. God hates sin. And God hates the devil. Amen. But he sure loves you. Fast forward in Exodus a little bit. I'm going to show you where Moses uh, had, a, had an issue with God. And they, they wrestled a little bit about this thing uh, called God's presence. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses said this. Then he said to him, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Moses and God were having an issue. God told Moses, I'm going to let you go into this land, but I'm not going with you. Like, I could take all y'all out right now. Come on, parents brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Send you to be with Jesus quick. God said, I'm not going with you. I'll send an angel to go with you. Moses said, Lord, if, if you don't go, please don't send us away from you. Moses understood the value of God's presence. Moses understood the weight of God's presence. He understood what God's presence did for them, for the whole nation of Israel. Continuing on in this verse, he says, For how then will it be known to, that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. You know what Moses realized about God's presence? Is that his God's presence was the only thing that made me separate from the rest of the world. And he, he loved God's presence so much, he said, Lord, if you ain't going, I ain't going. That'll change your life. 
If you start getting an attitude in your heart that, Lord, I'm not going to do this because you ain't doing this. I'm not going over there because you're not going to go over there. It's your presence, God, that makes me different than the rest of the world. Jesus had something to say about his presence in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. And next, next, uh, next point, I'll come back and bring you verse 19. But verse 20, Jesus said this, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Some translations say two or more. So just don't, don't get legalistic and say, well, it can't be more than three. Hey, it's, it's two or more. Just relax. I know how some of you are. You're just like me. It's got to be three. Jesus said, where two or more gather together in my name, I, Jesus, am there in the midst of them. Wow, that's cool, isn't it? Man, that's, like, that's like really cool. Like if three of us show up, or even two, in Jesus' name, then poof, he's there. Right? Is that right? Are you sure? So if, if me and Mikey sit down at the stage and we go, we're here in Jesus' name, then Jesus is going to be there? You sure? Let's break this down a little bit. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. The phrase my name in the Greek means is the word onama. Onama means Jesus' authority and Jesus' character. Is it possible to show up without his authority and without his character? You see what I did there? I kind of got you going one way, then hit you the other. So when we gather together in Jesus' name, we're gathering together in his authority and his character. Well, what is that? His authority was, is that I'm the one who runs this planet. I'm God's chosen vessel. I don't bow to no devils. I have my own authority. It's given to me by heaven, by my Father. I'm not bowing to anything else. And then his character is, is I'm not stumbling nowhere. Devil, you can tempt me even though I haven't eaten in 40 days. I'm not eating your food. I'm eating God. God's food, and I have character. So when we gather together in Jesus' authority and his character, then he comes. We need to know who we are. The Bible says you've been set apart, called out of death into life. You're not who you used to be. I hope somebody can hear that this morning. You're not who you used to be. And if people keep reminding you of who you used to be, just tell them the devil's the only one that reminds me of my past. And sooner or later, they'll shut up. I don't recommend using that in marriage, though. Backfire, okay? Backfire. When we show up with an expectation, when we show up with some confidence, when we show up believing and trusting that God is for us and not against us. You see, the reason the first message in this series was so important is that for all of us, we need to stop believing lies. You want me to tell you what happens? This is what happens. When you sin, when you sin, like in the next 10 seconds, when you sin, <laughs> the enemy comes, says, there you go. You blew it. I told you you wasn't no good. You can't overcome this. You'll never, ever overcome this. 
you're a fake Christian. You just soon quit going to church. People, people know, everybody knows that you're fake. And he begins to whisper these lies. What does that do to us? When we start to believe lies, it has an effect in our lives. When I believe a lie, it starts to cause me to go places I didn't need to go, think things I didn't need to think, so that, so that the enemy can get me off course from who I really am. If Jesus, if Jesus thought we would never sin again, he would never have said in 1 John that when you fall or when you sin, if you'll confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and then to cleanse you of all unrighteousness so that you can continue to live. But the enemy wants to remind you of your past and he wants you to believe a lie so that way you don't live like who you are. Is this making sense? So he said, in my name, in my authority, in my character, I am there in the midst of them. So the first good reason to come to church is because God's presence is here. I've, I've sensed God's presence at times in the parking lot just driving up. I've sensed it pouring a cup of coffee and this morning. I sensed it just trying to go over my message and I couldn't because his presence was here. We need to know when we're in his presence. Second good reason to come to church is because when his presence is here, his power is here. And that's important. When his presence is here, his power is here. So we come to church because God's power is here. Verse 19, back up one verse from the last one. Listen to what Jesus says. Again, I say to you, so in other words, he said this before, if two of you agree on earth, concern, that, that actually means like Jennings and even like, you know, if I'd be in Eunice, I'd say like even people in Mamu. So for y'all to be like even people in Gaydon, you know, like. <laughs> if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Next verse where two or three gather together, I am there in the midst of them. It was all one thought from Jesus that if you'll agree together on earth, it's going to happen. My Father's going to do it. And if you come together in my name, in my authority, in my character, I'm right there with you. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to know that right now you're in the presence of God? He shows up. You know what happens when God's presence and God's power is here? You know what can happen? Look at me. Anything. Anything. You want to know specifically what will happen? The very thing the enemy's telling you that it won't happen. That will happen. When I look over the crowds in the different churches and I see people, sometimes I like to watch from the back and just see how people are worshiping. Because a, a good shepherd knows his flock. He knows what people are walking through. And our, our campus in Eunice is a, is a good bit smaller than this campus, so it's easier to keep up with the condition of the flock. And my wife and I do a lot of, of marriage counseling at times. It was actually prophesied that we would, and we have been. And what blows my mind is we're not even qualified. That's just my disclaimer, that way nobody can sue me. 
but we do a lot of marriage counseling. And, and watch this. Over the years, we've seen God save marriages that should have gone opposite directions. We, we, we've watched God bring things back to life that were dead. Dead marriages where they walk in on the first day and they go, I don't even know if I like this person. And then, and then you're, you're standing in a worship service like one of these and you're watching as a pastor and you see them holding each other and they're crying and God's presence and his power is here. And you, and you know as a pastor you're crying too because you know where they came from and you know what God's doing and you know what God can do and you're seeing God's power on display in that moment. It's powerful. It's very important to be planted into a life-giving church. I've, I've been here for 18 years, and I've seen a lot of people come and go. I see a lot of people come in with all these expectations for this church to be the way they want it to be. And when it's not that way, they take up and they leave. And so you're in a small town, so it's easy to follow those people. You'll see them bounce from church to church to church to church to church. And some of you may have done that until you landed here, and that's fine. But some people spend their whole lives church to church, to, and they never plant. If this was a live tree, and I took this tree, we, somebody planted it, and I went and dug it up, and I took it, and I planted it here because I just didn't like the way it looked right there, all my OCD people. And, and, so I, and, then, and then after I planted it here, I didn't like it because it drove me crazy, and then I uprooted it, and I planted it here, but then I didn't like that, so then I went all the way back over here and planted it in its original hole again, all my OCD people, and, and, and that tree never grew. It never grows. Why does it grow? It doesn't grow because its roots never get stuck into the ground. You will be offended at this church. You will be, you will be hurt at this church one way or another, sooner or later. Anybody who's been here longer than a year, say amen. You will be hurt. You know why you're going to be hurt? Because people come here. The question is, is are your roots going to stay planted? Or are you going to let every little offense blow you off to the next place? We must be planted in God's church. Listen to what happens when we're planted in God's church. Psalms 92 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Come on, look at the person next to you. Say, you ain't old yet, but you're going to be, you're going to still be bearing fruit when you're old. You know what that means? Let me break that down for you real quick. That means when you're 80, 90, 100 years old, people can still come to you and pick something life-giving out of your life. That means you're still bearing fruit in your old age. If you're over 50, you're going to celebrate that. If you're under 50, you're like, yeah, I got time. He says, you shall bear fruit in your old age. Watch this. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. Who is he talking about? The people that plant themselves in a church and they go, I'm not leaving unless God tells me to leave. Amen. I'm staying here. This is the house he's told me to plant in. I'm planting and I'm not leaving. Even when the winds of adversity come, I got something to hang on to. I will flourish. I will be fruitful. And the Bible says I will be fresh. Amen. You ever ate unfresh fruit? It says I will be fresh. You know what that means? That means any person I run into, I got something fresh to say. Isn't that good? I got something life-giving to say to them. So number one, we come to church because of God's presence. Number two, we come to church because of God's power. 
And this, we just believe him to do anything. I tell the church in Eunice, if we're going to pray for folks, let's swing for the fences. Like, let's not, let's not hope God does half the good or half healing. Let's swing for the fences and put the rest of it on God. So, like, God, we're going to trust you for complete healing, and it's on you now, bro. Yeah. Right? God's power. And the third reason to come to church is because of God's people. God's people. You might be saying, well, why God's people, Pastor? I don't even like people. <laughs> I come late to sit in the back so I don't have to sit next to people. If you want to be away from people, sit on the front. <laughs> might get spit on, though. You see, I don't think we realize what it means to be God's people. When I look around at church today as a whole, I see Christians who don't know who they are, defeated by any little thing that comes up, blown back, freaked out. You can watch Facebook and see how somebody's spiritual condition is. I said you can watch Facebook and see somebody's spiritual condition because they put everything on. Oh, God, I'm dying today. I'm like, you're still texting. But instead of telling people, won't you go tell God? Amen. And then when you got some victory, say, God gave me victory today. Yes. Just a little plug. We don't, we don't know what it means to be God's people. You know, we do communion the first Sunday of every month, right? Anybody's been here long enough, you know, you, you, first Sunday of every month, what we're going to do? We're going to take communion, right? We're going to receive communion together. What do we do during communion? We remember all that Jesus did for us. That was the whole communion message. Jesus said to his disciples, every time you drink wine, every time you drink or you eat bread, remember what I've done for you. Why? Right? So, so why did he say every time you drink bread and... <laughs> Try that. <laughs> you drink wine and you eat bread. Why did he say every time? Because he knew we could forget. Simply put, he knew we could forget, and we're, we're people that forget from time to time, right? How many of you would agree? I've forgotten what Christ has done for me. I've forgotten the high price that was paid for me. There's days that I wake up in the morning, and I don't even think that I'm saved anymore. I've forgotten all that Jesus did for me. There's days I forget what he's delivered me from. There's days I forget that he's been so faithful in my life, right? Sometimes we don't remember, and we don't know who we are or what it means to be God's people, you know what it means to be God's people? It means that you're now his representation on the planet. That means the little world that you live in, the little circle, the little neighborhood, the, the grocery store that you go to, the, the gym that I know you're exercising in, and, and, the, and, the, and the restaurants you frequent most often, that is your world. That is your world. God planted you in that world to reach that world, and nobody else can reach that world but you. But as long as you don't know who you are, you'll never reach that world. Right? So, quick review. Jesus died on a cross so that we could be in heaven one day, right? He didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make spiritually dead people come to life, right? So, so when Jesus died on a cross and then he rose from the grave, the Bible says we're now in right standing with God. In other words, there's no ought between us and God anymore. Can I say that one more time? There's no ought between God and us anymore. We're in right standing with him. That means everything that we've done in the past when we were his enemy has been wiped away, and now we're called his friend. The Bible calls you a friend of God. 
A lot's happened since you raised your hand at the end of that service. I don't know if you realize that, but you've been born again. You're not the same person anymore. Your, your mistakes, your past has been washed away. You've got new life. The Bible says you're a new creation. It's time to know who you are. A high price was paid for you. You are valuable. And I'm sorry that you were told you were a cool your whole life. But it's not true. It's not true. Those were lies. You've been made in the image of God. Fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nobody else like you. Can you believe there's nobody else like me? My wife goes, thank God there's nobody else like him. Y'all can't handle it. We don't know who we are. I think sometimes we discount who we are. Maybe that's why we keep struggling with sin. It's because we don't know who we are. So we keep, we keep fumbling over the same sin and stumbling and staying in it because we don't even know who we are. Peter said something about who we are. He was quoting something from Hosea. In, in 1 Peter 2, he said this. He said, talking about the people, he said, the people who, were, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, watch this, who had obtained mercy, but now have, a, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Everybody woke up this morning, right? Raise your hand if you woke up. Okay, raise your hand if you woke up. Okay, all right. Do you know if you're born again, when you woke up and your feet touched the ground, there was mercy waiting for you? You didn't get that before you were saved. You get that after you were saved. Amen. I got some brand new mercy. Sometimes I go to sleep early just so I can get some mercy early. Come on, somebody. You had a bad day. I just go to bed at five o'clock. I'm like, it's time to just go to sleep. I can't mess up nothing in my sleep. I'm going to have a good day in my sleep. I'm going to wake up in the morning and give me a brand new start, right? Peter was saying that the people of God are people who have now obtained mercy. Listen to how God said it back in Hosea. He said, then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they shall say, you are my God. God's made his declaration over every one of us. You are my people. He's possessive. God's jealous. He, he paid a high price for you, and he's not going to let you go as easy as the devil thinks he's going to, trying to convince you that he's going to let you go. You are his people, and he takes you very seriously. You are my people. He's declared that over us. He's waiting on us to look at him with some confidence and say, you are my God. Yeah. Jesus said it like this when he gave us the great commandment. He said to love God and love people. What he meant was to be in relationship with God and to be in relationship with other people. Maybe you've heard this, this phrase before, and I'm sure you have. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Some of you need to divorce some old friends and make you some new ones. Some of you need to divorce your old friends and make you some new ones. Because this side heard it, this side, I don't know. But <laughs> Listen to, what, to how Paul describes church in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm or a song has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. That word edification means for building up. 
You know what he's saying? He's saying when you come together, somebody's going to teach. Somebody's going to sing. Not all of us can sing, right? That's where the joyful noise thing applies to us. The rest of those people, they can sing. Somebody teaches. Somebody has a tongue. Somebody has an interpretation. He says when you all come together and you bring what you got, building up happens. So when we come together, there's a building up. Sometimes your smile is the best thing that somebody else needs. What if God was saying to us today that what you need, I gave it to Susie, and if you'll go to church, Susie will give it to you? How many times have you been in a life group, and you got somebody on the other side of the room sharing their story, and you're freaking out because you thought they read your journal, right? And you're like, oh, I know they didn't. They got up in my journal. And you're sitting there, you're going, I thought I was the only one that ever went through something like that. Somebody lied to me. They went through that too. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then they, t- they say one thing, and then all of a sudden you find the encouragement that God wanted you to have that you wouldn't have got unless you went to life group that night. God loves his people, and he loves for his people to be together. I'm going to wrap this up. I want to show you the difference between a gathering and an assembly. Because some people just come to church just to gather. Just say, well, I went to church. I was there. I didn't see you at church. I was there. I checked my box. I went. That's a gathering. God wants us to assemble. See, a gathering is like when you invite a buddy over. You say, bro, I got a new truck, man. You want to come see it? Say, sure, bro. I heard you got a new truck, man. Let me come check it out. So he comes over and you walk to the garage and say, it's right in here. And you open the door and in one corner there's tires and rims and transmission and engine. The other corner there's body parts. Over here there's interior parts. Right in the middle there's nothing but electrical parts. And, and he kind of looks, he goes, come on, man, you clowning, bro. I thought you said you had a truck. I do have a truck. It's right here. It's all gathered together. It's all in one room. It's a truck. Can't you see it? No, I can't see it, bro. You been drinking? That's a gathering. We all come and we gather. And that's great for a little while. But that's not going to give you the life that you need. Because you see, God wants us to assemble. Assembling is like when you see a stack of bricks over there and you grab one brick and you hold that brick up and you say, well, this brick is worth about $2 and it's got X amount of strength and it's, it's cute. It's, it's pretty. It's a brick. Right? By itself, it only has so much. But if you take that brick, place it in in a certain spot, and you take another brick and you assemble it with that one, and you keep doing that, all of a sudden you're making the whole thing stronger, more valuable, and more beautiful. That's what God's trying to do here. He's trying to assemble the church together. He doesn't want you to come and be alone. He wants you to come and be plugged in, to assemble. You're a brick in a stack right now. But what if God takes you and connects you to somebody else? You become more valuable. You become stronger. And you become more beautiful. What if that's what God is telling you today? What if that's what he's saying today? That I know you've been coming and I'm so proud of you for being faithful to come. But what I want for you today is I want you to assemble. I want you to assemble. I want you to trust people again. That's a big deal, y'all. 
had a guy in my church, he, 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 he was a chiropractor. He adjusted my back, and for about six months, he adjusted my back, and he knew I was the preacher, and I never invited him to church. I just went, and we had a good time, but I prayed for him to go to church. But he had been church hurt twice, and he was scared to go back to church again. And he tells the story, the Saturday night before I went to church, I drove up in the parking lot, and I just prayed. I said, Lord, please, I pray that I don't get hurt again. Can I trust this place? Can I trust these people? And he's been a part of our church for about five years now. And he's assembled, and he's bringing something into the body, and it's beautiful. Hebrews 10.24 says this. I'm going to wrap it up. Remember the statistic I told you on the front side that the average family goes to church one time on Sunday, right? The average family in America goes to church once on a month. And that's a sad statistic. Because this verse says the total opposite. Hebrews 10.24 and 25. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up, say stir up, to stir up love and good works, not anything else. Some of y'all good at stirring some stuff up. He says to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking, watch this, the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner or habit of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. What does that mean? That means the closer we get to eternity, the more often we need to come together. You know why? Because we need more love and good works. We need to come together for more love and good works to stir one another up. Why? Because this world is getting crazier by the minute and Jesus is sooner and closer to coming back than he's ever been before. And the Bible says that the, the closer we get to that day, the more we need to assemble together. Everything that you need is in the house that you're planted in. It's in the life group that you've been dodging. It's on the dream team that you've been running from. I know you've been hurt. I know you're scared. Some of you, you, you hide behind the excuse, well, I'm just an introvert. That's fine. Get in a small life group. You'll be okay. But whatever it is you're hiding behind, what if God's saying to you today, come out from around that. Let me connect you with people that I want you to do life with. And you just trust me in this process. They're going to mess up, but you trust me. Keep going to church. Be consistent in your attendance. Amen. Can I pray for you today? Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing this morning. I'm reminded, God, of when, 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 when you told, when Jesus told Peter, he said, and, and your name's going to be Peter from now on, and it means rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, you love your church. You love your people and you love to be with us. Lord, I pray we're hungry for your presence, expecting for your, your power. And God, we fall in love with your people. I pray that over this congregation today, that God, for every one of us, we would understand the extreme importance of being consistent. 
consistent in your presence, your power, and with your people. And so we thank you, Lord. Now with all of your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, maybe you walked in here today and you said, you know what, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. I don't even know where to start. And you feel something in your heart. Maybe there's a little tug. Maybe there's something there. Or you just want to make a good decision. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. That means you don't have to wait for tomorrow. We believe every one of us can be born again. We can be saved. It's, it's three simple steps. It's A, admit that I'm a, a sinner and I've fallen short of God's glory. B, believe that, that Jesus died on the cross for me and that God raised him from the dead. And then C, confess that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says that I'm born again. So with no one looking around, this is a very private moment. If you want to make that decision today, you, you're ready to be born again. You want to be saved. You want to come into a new relationship with Jesus. Just simply lift your hand real quick. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Seven, eight, nine. I see you. Anybody else? You can make that decision today. Let's pray this together, church. Everybody, say, Lord Jesus, we come to you today admitting that I'm a sinner and I've fallen short. We believe today that you died on the cross for us and it was enough for us to be okay with God. And we believe that God raised you from the dead and we can be raised from the dead. So today, Lord, I want to confess you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap, church? Come on.